Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm Danny V, podcast host and children's author. I also do some work in publishing in acquisitions and publicity. As we hurdle towards one million plays, we'll continue to provide you with the conversational, vulnerable, honest and fun chats with your favourite authors across all genres. Check out our takeover episodes, usually released on a Friday, and our spin-offs released during the month. Thank you for being here, being part of the journey, and supporting Aussie Creatives. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, where we bring literary goodness straight to your ears. I'd like to start by saying this episode comes with a trigger warning as the book was released on World Suicide Prevention Day and explores grief and mental health. So please take care when listening. Today, I welcome Ryan Abramovitz, author and illustrator of Elegy for an Elephant, a book of healing for those who have lost loved ones. This book came out, as I said, on the 10th of September, 2023, on World Suicide Prevention Day. I've always been a really strong advocate of mental well-being and have often shared my own stories of mental health. So today, I'm gonna to chat a little bit more about that and Ryan's experiences. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Honored um, to be here. <laughs> I'd like to start with an elevator pitch for this book. It's a picture book, Elegy for an Elephant. Sure. So Elegy for an Elephant follows the story of three children, a whale and two birds inspired by my sisters and I. And it follows their journey between the sea and stars as they come to terms with the loss of their father's as they come to terms with the loss of their father and um, embark on a process of acceptance and repair and eventual healing. And so you wrote this book to help other people going through grief or similar events. Is that right? Correct. Correct. So the book was inspired um, by my own father's passing to suicide. And I, I noticed that, you know, through my own lived experience uh, and exploration of the literary landscape, that there weren't a lot of um, materials out there that can support those in grief specifically to suicide, which is um, can be more niche in the experiences um, and the emotions that it can evoke, such as guilt, shame, abandon, um, anger, confusion, and and those sorts of um, complexities that follow someone's decision to end their life and the, the questioning that throws their uh, departure into such circumstance. Um, and picture books have this incredibly magical way of um, making complex things accessible for all readers. So... I suppose taking this life event and putting it into a picture book format um, was my way of trying to support others uh, navigating their own grief. Do you think something like that would have helped you when you were going through this experience? Absolutely. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I've always loved picture books and I've always felt very steadied and held by them. Um, and and I know this book would have comforted me through through those nights um, where you're unable to sleep and you know you're um, just paralyzed by the the shock and the 
the pain and the sadness. And, um, and that's why I know I would have helped others. And even seven years after the passing of my father's death, it's, it's, it's helped me now, you know, it's, it's not too late. I was going to ask if it was a cathartic experience to write the book as well, because it must've also come with its challenges. Absolutely. Um, it was, it was not an easy piece to write. Um, there were many times when, you know, I had to creatively um, re-experience my dad's passing on such a frequent basis. And, you know, when, when I started writing the book, I had to sort of agitate a lot of the material, um, the diaries I wrote at the time, um, my speech from the, the, the funeral, um, his final letter, I had to sort of bring all of that to the fore and that was incredibly painful. And then when I, you know, was drawing the elephant and was drawing an elephant's body, I just, there were times that I just felt so saddened by it. And people would say to me, is it cathartic? But it was towards the end when I sort of started to see the whole thing come together that um, I felt like it had been an incredible like an incredible processing tool for my own grief. Yeah, and, I can imagine and that. Yeah. I and, often and think I, um, we're not very good at grief in our culture, and I'm not sure what that's about. I've had a couple of conversations with people and we just seem so unprepared for it all the time. So it's interesting when books like this come out because they may better help us with that those feelings that we're so uncomfortable with. Of course. Well, I think I think perhaps we're uncomfortable with grief because it um, makes us question our own mortality, and it evokes our own um, trepidations of death, and and so I suppose that is um, echoed back in how we perceive others dying. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what I did think was really important that you had this manuscript reviewed by members of the mental health care community including children, psychologists, psychotherapists, suicide bereavement specialists, grief counsellors, therapists and other mental health care support workers. Because I've got to say, coming into this book as a reader, even as an adult, it is confronting and there are such complexities of, of emotions as you touched on earlier. And I was thinking, mm, how does this, you know, how do we then present that to, to kids? And I know kids are smart and we should never underestimate them, but it is a sensitive topic. And so take me through the experience of having this manuscript reviewed by so many experts in the field. Of course. And, and it really added, you know, I've never done this before. And I suppose to have um, so many mental health reviewers in the mix complicated the, the editing and the writing process. But when you're putting something like this out in the world, I just wanted to do my due diligence and ensure that it was um, not going to be activating or not going to cause more harm than good. So there were about seven reviewers involved, um, two, a, a suicide bereavement researcher, a suicide bereavement specialist, um, grief counsellors, my own psychologist, children's psychologists, a psychotherapist, my meditation teacher, and 
uh, to suicide um, postvention support organizations who would often every third, there were 20 iterations, 20 about 22 iterations of the manuscripts by the very end, that every third or fourth uh, development, I would share it with them and solicit their feedback. And it became, you know, um, very acute and um, looked at every single word's waiting. And there were some words that, um, and phrases that were more poetic in their original uh, phraseology. But, you know, one of the lines was, forgive yourself, dad, we forgive you. And and that that is powerful, but when you say forgive, you imply that there's a transgression or a sin. And, you know, there is no judgment about suicidality. This book is merely to support those who are bereaved by suicide. So there was a lot of um, review of all the words and their subtleties and their connotations to make sure that there was nothing um, that was activating and and that the final uh, piece is gentle and as delicate in its subject matter as as possible, and that more so the illustrations do the heavy lifting. Yeah, and I was going to say sometimes, I mean, feedback's always helpful, but sometimes when you get too much feedback, you don't know what to do with it. Yeah, so yeah. I was wondering, there must have been a complexity there to keep true to your story whilst trying to be sensitive to your audience while taking all of this expert advice. I imagine that must have been quite challenging. Uh, incredible. And and having never done this before as well, I don't think I'll ever have a harder first, I don't think I'll ever have a harder picture book to to do because some. Um, but but it was important and 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 it was one of those things where I just felt, um, although typically too many chefs spoil the brew, here just you know being able to uh, counterbalance um all these different perspectives um, meant that the the final resolved um, articulation had been so considered and so thought through that there was um, as much thoughtfulness in it as as was possible. Yeah, and I think that's actually really important because, like you said before, you don't want to do, um, you know, any harm, of course. You want to, this is a book to help and heal. So I think all those voices, um, despite the complexity of that, were, were important. Now, these statistics are really hard to hear. And according to the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare, there were 3,139 deaths by suicide in Australia in 2020. Um, with Lifeline estimating 65,000 attempts every year. Yeah. And it's the leading cause of death for Australians aged 15 to 44. That's, that's massive when you hear that, you know, and I, I was surprised by that as well. I don't know. How does it feel? You've experienced that yourself and then you hear these statistics. They're quite hard to hear, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, no human is an island, and I think we're living in a time that's fraught with challenges. And but you know, I suppose the way to make sense of these statistics is just by perhaps looking at a few stories at a time and understanding that each life is its own universe, and the loss of one life just sends um ripple effects 
Um, and I think, you know, the statistics from Lifeline, the 65,000 attempts just reflects, you know, th those were all the, the, the times that the, the attempt wasn't successful. Thank you for your honesty and vulnerability. I mean, I imagine this is, this is still hard to talk about, even if you've created a picture book and you've lived it and then had to relive again, it's, it's probably something that's not ever going to, you know, become easier, but let's talk about the writing process. I mean, being writer and illustrator, um, you know, sometimes in a picture book, you need to collaborate with another illustrator, but it was just you. So how did you do this? Was it the words first? Was it the picture was first? Was it a very fluid experience? What was your process? Sure, sure. So, you know, it was during those long nights of COVID that I started, suppose, to um, occupy my boredom and, 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 you know, in COVID, we all just started to um, wonder and, and fill our times with things that could uh, amuse us. I started um, considering how does the world look through an anthropomorphic lens? And I sort of had a lot of fun with this, like um, on a broad scale of Australiana, I, um, I did these cartoons of like Dan the donkey and Gladys the goose and Scomo the snail and um, had a lot of fun with that. But when I started to think about who was my family and what are the, the shapes that their souls occupy, I um, started to think of my dad as an elephant. And it was during those long nights that I saw his soul crossing the sky as an elephant. And, and I just felt so connected and inspired by this um, articulation of him for the first time that was so divine and so powerful and so I originally started doing a series of drawings of an elephant leaving its body um, normally when something dies of a natural cause we envisage it floating but to me I wanted to imply the intention to leave one's life through a soul choosing to walk out of the body. So I did these first few drawings and, and then I realized they were sort of their own gateway into a much bigger narrative that was about my family's journey to come to terms with his, his passing. And then I uh, enlisted the help of a, um, editor art director whose name was Margreta Lamond and she advised that one works on the manuscript first so I had sort of these preliminary sketches put them to the side and started working on the manuscript um, because you want to look at how it how the flow runs and you know the story arc and um, whether the the writing uh, fulfills the conventions of the picture book format, which is typically 32 pages, but in Elegy's case, it's, it's 44. And then once I had got the, um, and, and, and then so obviously within this, there was all the um, consultation back and forth with the reviewers and getting their feedback. But then once we had got, I think the manuscript to like stage 12 or 13 or 14, I subdivided it across the pages because what was really interesting for me then was that, that the illustrations are informed 
by the way the words fall. So then you kind of look at the sequencing of the words and and their um, cascading across the pages to consider what is illustrated. But of course, I already had that sense of what was going to be on each page. And then slowly you start to... Um, and then in terms of um, the illustration itself, I did a course in visual neuroscience, which looks at how we can use um, the compositional elements of um, design and horizon line and positive and negative space and voids and masses and tonal value to achieve intended psychological responses in the audience and how to uh, excavate um, and curate the emotion that you wanted the reader to feel at wow. different parts. Yeah, and it was, it was really so interesting. interesting. Yeah. Completely. And, and one of the, the things that was so um, delightful to learn about that is that you start with the horizon line because when you have the horizon line low, you know, it sets a sense of safety. But when you have the horizon line high, it sort of encloses on the composition. And so then I started to do um, rough storyboarding and rough and just kind of looking at where the, the heaviness was going to be and where the darks were going to be and where the horizon line was going to be and looking at the continuity of the horizon line across the story arc. So when you turn the pages, there is a seamlessness in the carriage of that. And so it was only sort of towards, um, you know, and then I did the color palette studies and then I started to do character studies. And then I did maybe 600 drawings of different stylistic treatments for the characters. Um, some that were pen, some that were pen and watercolor, some that were watercolor pencil, some that were watercolor pencil and watercolor. And then slowly start to refine the words. And, and at the same time, I'm just cleaning up the words and polishing and changing and tweaking. But by this stage, I knew pretty much which sentences were going where. And it was more so just, um, you know, the minutia. And then, and then it's sort of just, you know, you continue um, refining the storyboard and getting the character forms right and and their their emotions and their expressions and the color palettes and then and then one day you know I was like I'm ready to paint the final thing and then the art director said to me and I'll never forget this when I said I was a bit anxious about you know painting the final art she said bring the angels down and it was um and it was those in it was in those sessions that I felt you know the moon would shine onto into like the studio and and I felt my dad in the room and I felt this beautiful wind of existence just blowing through me and four hours later I would just like have lost track of time and just see watercolor and salt and paint everywhere and just felt like I'd returned from the most magical mm. transfixing place and it was really those it was those evenings of painting the final artwork that were the most cathartic. Yeah, and, I love that. And it's the power of yeah. art, isn't it? The power of art, the power of, you know, being lost in what you're doing. I think that's yeah, really and powerful. Yeah, and flow state. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It was, it was magical. And, I and, love um, that. Thank you. And then I remember once the book was submitted for, for printing, I felt like there was this, you know, in the time that I was finishing the final painting, there was like this um, wonder that surrounded me. And I felt like I was harvesting something magical and then once the book was finished it kind of just 
you know, it wasn't in me anymore. Like it had left me. I would almost like I'd given birth to it. And the, <laughs> the miraculous experience of birthing something was, was sort of like in the world now. And, yeah. um, and I, and I miss, I still miss it. So I'm like itching <laughs> to start my next book. <laughs> that was going to ask you actually, but um, before I get there, what have, yeah. what's been the responses from readers? I've I've been so moved by what what some people have said to me. I mean, you know, a lot of the people who have come to the book have lost someone through suicide. And so, you know, you meet these strangers who share something very um, intimate about their own lived experience and their own life experience. And they just talk about um, how seen they felt by the book and, you know, how alone they had felt previously or how confusing, you know, all those emotions that I referred to at the beginning about the complexities of the grief and and how they could see themselves moving through the resolutions and the realizations of the characters. And I think one of the the stunning things about animals is their ability to transcend a lot of the stigmas and the bias that um, human protagonists can be subject to. You know, an elegy for an elephant, we have a lioness an elephant which are earth animals a whale which is a sea animal and two birds which are air animals and it is my hope that anyone can imagine themselves um moving through life in identification with any of these animals so it can make it more accessible and perhaps make it easier for these readers to feel themselves guided along and and it is like my ultimate hope and and this is sort of what has been played back by uh, these people specifically that have lost someone to suicide is to be inspired to feel the love of those we've lost all around us, you know, like, and this never happened to me until I wrote the book. But now when I hear the wind, I do hear my dad's song. And when I look at the stars, I do feel him shining down on me. And, and I think like the most beautiful thing is that has been transferred into other people that have been able to imagine the shapes of their own elegies and perhaps, you know, what, what animal they resonate with and what animal their loved one who had departed may have occupied. Mm. And, and that, and that that could resonate for someone who's lost someone to any um, cause of death, you know, not Mm. necessarily just suicide. And I love the form of picture book too, because picture books to me, they're they're pieces of art, you know, they're not just books because they have beautiful artwork in them and they're often written very poetically. I think they are pieces of art themselves. So, you know, all those things you've put into it is really, really powerful. Now, I know you wrote this book specifically for purpose, um, you know, for prevention, for healing, for your own healing, for other people. But, you know, you've, you've mentioned there's another book and you can't wait to start a new book. So why why do you write or why will you write in the future? Well, you know, when you just, I think there was a quote I read one time, um, find, what's, find what sets your soul on fire. I mean, there was nothing more authentic in terms of my life's purpose and what I want to offer this world than than picture books um, because, you know, they work with three systems, the the written language, the artwork, and then the interplay between them. And, and sort of, so I chose to self-publish the book through this entity 
narratives of nature that in 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 the future i hope will be a place for many stories of our human nature and the natural world um and that's what really fascinates me you know what are um, botanical or animal motifs or allegories that can help us make sense of and imagine and metabolize our own human experiences in accessible ways that are still spellbinding and transformative in their own way. And um, yeah, and so my next book is gonna be called A Whale's Tale. I'd actually started working on A Whale's Tale before I did an elephant's elegy, but it was, it's been beached for two years. And what we see is we, it's, it's the story of wonder repairing a, so wonder the whale who is the child in, in elegy for an elephant, which is sort of, um, I suppose, my, my animal resonance. In, in a whale's tale, wonder finds a picture book inside his broken heart. And he paints the picture book as a way of healing himself. And so in this way, a whale's tale is actually the exploration of elegy for an elephant, because it is about the way art making can heal us and can help us come to um, process and accept our own traumas and 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 grievances and and i i sort of love that meta aspect of a picture book about a picture book becoming itself and growing into itself and so i suppose in many ways a lot of the books i want to do in the future kind of weave into one another and are suspended within the same mythology Mm, that's really interesting i want to thank you for sharing what what is a really difficult story for you but i like how you've turned this really challenging experience into you know this beautiful piece of art that you know can be healing and can be hopeful for people and i think that's really special and that's why books are really special and the power of um you know picture books as well i think so i want to thank you for sharing all of that because i can't imagine that um that is an easy thing to share but it's an important thing to uh, to share i think Thank you. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think if we can learn from our own stories and support others, it it sort of makes it as worthwhile as it can be, given the the narratives and the layers that we carry with us. And 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 I do feel, you know, honored that the universe chose me to to bring this book into being. And I just hope that it supports many navigating grief in their in their healing journey mm, absolutely well thank you so much for that and if any Thanks listeners if any listeners are here and you or someone you know are seeking help or assistance you can call lifeline australia on 13 11 14 for crisis support and suicide prevention or you can go to the blackdoginstitute.org.au and if you go to the help now uh, there's a host of numbers that you can call um, that might be relevant to you. So please take care while listening to this episode and know that there is there is help if you need it. Thanks again, Ryan. Right.